Yevamos, Perik Dalad, Mishnah Base, 4-2, and the second of the two Mishnahs dealing with this question about the woman who's pregnant at the time um, that her husband dies. So here we're going to talk in Mishnah Base about if the living brother-in-law performs Yibum, so they get married and they sleep together. Now, there's an Isser de Oraisa, an Isser Karas, of sleeping with your brother's wife. That, of course, we know was is suspended in the context where there's a proper yibum to be formed, to be performed. But if there's no yibum to be performed, and if the woman ends up being pregnant and having a child from her first husband, even though the husband is dead, so there's no yibum to be performed. So then the act of yibum itself is an isadoraiser for which one is liable to karas and has to bring a chatas. So, our mission is going to say what happens if the woman were pregnant at the time they performed yibum. Now, again, remember Medurabanan, they're not supposed to get married for three months, um, so hopefully that will obviate the fact that they um, that this could happen. But first of all, maybe they didn't wait three months. Um, in which case, let's talk about that case first. What would happen is that she now, after she gives birth, we will determine retroactively if that original even was permitted or, or not. If it turns out she gives birth to something which is a nafil, not a viable child, then anyways, she was obligated to even. The even turns out to be okay and everything's going to be okay in retrospect. But if it turns out that she gives birth to a viable child, then retroactively we see that the original Yibum was forbidden under Issacharis, because it's his late brother's wife, and therefore they'd be on the hook to bring a chatas. Each one brings a chatas offering um, to atone for a, a crime like this, which is subject to the penalty of karas. Now, in case you were going to wonder, wait a second, the rules of bringing a chatas require that you had to act bishogeg, you had to be negligent but not willful in your sin, so that's what's happening here, right? The Yavam never intended to do an Avera, even though the rabbi said not to get married for three months, um, so then, and he did anyway, so he's over the Durabanan, but really he's not, he didn't intend to do any, he's not mazed in his, in his being with this woman, because he thought it was permitted. So therefore he'll bring, and she'll bring also, a Chatas. By the way, if he waits more than three months, as he's supposed to, and then he marries her, and then let's say a month after they get, they say they get married for four months. Then a month after they get to Yibum, they're married. She gives birth to a baby, like in the first month, a month after their wedding, and let's call, let's call it five months after the death of her late husband. So it'll turn out, wow, that means that actually she was pregnant all along, but more than that, of course it's ascribed to the first husband, because it's, you know, five months since he died. But then, in such a scenario, it will turn out that although she was exempt from Yibum, and they have to separate and get divorced, or whatever, they have to, I'm divorced, they undo, the marriage is undone, and they can't stay together, um, but there no chatas would be required, because that's not even considered a shogeg, that's not considered being negligent, that's called an onus, circumstances totally beyond your control. You married a woman after three months, you thought everything was hunky-dory, you thought you were doing a mitzvah, turns out it wasn't, so then, okay, again, you have to separate, but um, there'll be no obligation to bring a chatas, because you were an onus, not a shogeg, circumstances beyond your control, and not actual negligence. Of course, if after that you're with the woman, then it would be that would be a good old fashioned mazed, and um, also no no chatas brought because it's you're not entitled to bring a chatas uh, if you act intentionally the mazed. Okay, so here the mission says hakones es yevimto. If a person takes in his yevam, meaning he sleeps with her, the sister-in-law venimtes muuberes, and it turns out she actually was pregnant via lada, and she gives birth to a child. So then it depends. Bizman Shavlad Shel Kayama, in the event that the child that's born is a viable child. 
So then that means that the Yibam should have never taken place, which means that the the act of intercourse they had is Isr Karas, Chayef Chatas, and therefore, first of all, Yotzi, immediately they have to get, I'll call it, unmarried. Um, there's no no get required and no Chalitza required, something like that, because none of that was ever relevant. They were never married, they were never anything. They have to just separate. The Chayavim B'Karban, and they each... Both he and she are obligated to bring a korban chatas for their sin of being negligent and having intercourse with a with the heir of the tzachiv karas. On the flip side, vim ein havlad shel kayama, if she's pregnant and she gives birth, but that child is not a viable child, either it's born dead or almost dead, not taken the full term, and then it dies, and within those thirty days, so then yikayem. He, the Yava, may keep her. I mean, they stay married. Because it turns out retroactively that she was obliged to do Yibam with him. And they did Yibam. And they're married. So they can stay married happily ever after. The child, you know, made a big question mark over a while. But since the child was not born as a viable child, they stay uh, married and happily ever after. Now, there's a big what if, however. What happens if you're not sure to whom this child belongs? So in Chazal's mind... um, their babies kind of come in two flavors. They come in the seven-month variety and the nine-month variety, meaning um, there's such a thing as a child being full-term after seven months. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, and I looked around and asked around, um, this isn't a phenomenon that's um, existing today. Um, every doctor, GBOIN, etc., who I've spoken with says every day that the child stays in utero, the better. And an eight month is definitely an eight months of gestation is definitely an advantage over seven months of gestation, um, essentially without exception. Um, but whatever the case is, Chazal understood that such, there's such a thing as a seventh month, seven month, but full, seven months of gestation, which is full term. And therefore, let's say they get married. Um, let's say they do yibum three months in the third month after the death of the first husband, and there's a child born seven months later. And then we're not sure if this child belongs to, it's a seven-month healthy baby that belongs to the second brother, or it's a nine-month healthy baby that belongs to the first brother. So now we're really in a question mark, a quandary, whether the Yibam was legitimate and the marriage is legitimate, or whether it was totally illegitimate. There's no obligation for Yibam, and the whole marriage Yibam Act was a was an avir and a chiv kars. So let's play it out. It says the Mishnah, Im ein avlaj, excuse me, Suffolk ben Tesha Larishon, Suffolk ben Shiva Laachron. If the child is born, and we're just not sure, is it a nine month baby that was sired by the first brother, or is it a seven month baby which was sired by the second brother? So, first of all, Yotzi. They can stay married because there's a chance, a real chance, that the Yibim was illegal, that the original first husband brother has an offspring child through this baby, and therefore, they can't stay married. But on the other other side of the coin, it's possible that their yibum was totally legitimate because this, and this child belongs to the second husband. So therefore, when they get separated here, they have to do a get, Miss Suffolk. They'll do a get, a, a dubious get, a get based on the question of maybe the yibum was legitimate, the child is the second brother's, and therefore they need to, to for her to be married to somebody else, a get is required. So it'll be a get Miss Suffolk. Vahavlad kosher. Now the child himself or herself will be kosher, meaning not a mamzer. Because there are only two possibilities, and both possibilities point to him being kosher. Possibility A, he is the offspring of his mother and and her first husband. 
and they were happily married till the first husband died. So this is the child from that happy kosher marriage. The child's not a mamzer. Alternatively, he is the offspring of the second brother who did yibum, and if he's not belongs to the first brother, which means that the yibum was legitimate required yibum. So he's the offspring of an active yibum, which is totally legitimate. So he's either way kosher. So even though the marriage is dubious, but the offspring is certainly kosher. The chayavan ba'ashem talui. Something else now. Now, as far as the chattas goes, are bringing a sin offering for having done this legal act of yibum, perhaps, if it turns out that she wasn't obligated in the first place. So now, we can't bring that. We can't bring that chattas, that sin offering. Why? Because you only can bring a chattas if you, not just if you're a bishogeg, like I said before, but also if you are certain that you did the crime just you were negligent in Bishogig when you did it. So in this case, we're not sure whether there was a crime done or not. Maybe the Yibam was legitimate, and maybe it was illegal. If it was illegal, they have to bring a chatas. If it was legitimate, they have to bring nothing. And since you can't bring a chatas if you're not sure, you won't bring a chatas. However, there's another korban called the Asham Talui. There are actually six different kinds of Ashamos, guilt offerings. This one is very peculiar, the Asham Talui, the sixth one, which is that it's a suspending guilt offering, which means it suspends the consequences that have to be addressed by bringing a chatas. So that means the black spot on your soul that exists when you do a chiv karas, which can be cleansed through a chatas, that black spot will be addressed by bringing an asham tali, and the relationship will be reinstated. Continue in Hashem, no, no black spot anymore. So it suspends the consequences. Let me just clarify it doesn't actually remove the obligation to bring a chata. So let's say, for example, um, if after the fact it was somehow confirmed that the child, in our scenario here, that our, that the child really belonged to the first husband, and therefore the marriage was illegal, and therefore the Yavam did an Isser Karas, and therefore he had to bring a chata. So even though he brought a Asham Tali previously, now that he learned he actually has to bring a chata, he has to bring a chata in addition. That's a side point, but just make sure that Halakha is clear in your head. Now, um, so therefore, the obligation here is to bring an ashram tali as opposed to a chatas for both each he and she. Now, before I wrap up here, that actually is not the halacha. Um, there's a machlokas tanayim regarding when one brings an ashram tali, and the halacha follows the other tana who says there's only an obligation to bring an ashram tali where there is um, iser kavua, where there's a certain um, element of iser karis floating in the mix somehow in the, in the, in the case. Meaning, your classic case. Your classic case is, you have two roommates, they both have midnight snacks in the middle of the night, they go into the pan, into the refrigerator, and they pull out some iggly-jiggly fat that they want to eat. And there's two kinds of fat, chelev and shuman. Chelev is forbidden fat, chiyav karas, shuman is permitted fat. Okay? So one eats the chelev, one eats the shuman, they don't know who eats what. The next morning, they look in the fridge and say, oh my goodness, someone ate the chelev. Maybe it was me, maybe it was you. So then each of the two roommates now have to bring an asham talui, because they can't bring a chatas because they don't know if, who was the one who really ate the chalif. So they bring an asham talui instead. But there, you know that there's for sure iser in the mix. You know one of these two guys ate some iser because there was chalif in the fridge, and now there isn't. So someone did something. We just don't know who. So then asham talui, because there's, there's, a, there's a for sure an element of iser present in the in the scenario. Okay? In our case, that's not true. It's 50-50. Maybe everything was kosher and hunky-dory, or maybe it's totally forbidden. There's no certainty that somebody or something in the mix was us. There's no isr kavua. And, no, and therefore, according to that, Tana, you don't bring an ashram tali in that kind of scenario. And that's the din. Halach lamaisa. So halach lamaisa, in our scenario here, they have to be separated. They need to get misafik. But 
no bring him Nashim Talui, um, because there's no certainty, no Isra Kavua, that there's actually an Isra, a forbidden element to this uh, the story.